can't repay all the love you've given me. You were my friend when no one cared. I was alone, but you were there. Lord, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. joys you've given me. When trouble comes, you're always there to make me smile. So come what may, thy will be done. I love you, Jesus, God's only Son. Lord, you're the best thing that's ever happened to me. Take your Bible, <clears throat> turn over to Revelation chapter 12. Revelation chapter 12, and begin in verse 9. I don't know why it just seems like the last 30 minutes I've lost my voice. It's kind of crazy. Then again, we are going to be speaking about Satan, so it's not so surprising to me. Revelation chapter 12. <clears throat> wow. Okay. Revelation chapter 12, beginning verse 9. We read last week, we kind of kicked things off with this passage, but the Bible says, And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And again, we <clears throat> noted very clearly that, well, continue in verse 10, I'm sorry. 
And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength in the kingdom of our God, the power of his Christ. Here it is now. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. So we have the accuser here, and we've been talking about him starting last week, and we said we don't want really to really focus on, the, on, on Satan that awfully much. I have a, a it's, this is really weird, I've got this thing stuck on top of my mouth, I'm trying to use it as a cough drop, <clears throat> it's very effective, however, when I'm saying certain words, my tongue goes to hit the top of your mouth, and it makes it sound like I'm like tongue-tied. <laughs> so over the next few seconds, here, next about probably minute, if it sounds like I'm speaking like, like I've just took some kind of, you know, medication, <clears throat> it's just I'm trying to get that done, okay? So we'll see what happens here, okay? So anyway, <clears throat> we, we, we see that he's the accuser, and we don't want to talk much about Satan. Our goal is not to lift him up. We don't really want to spend a lot of time on him, so to speak, or focusing on him. However, uh, we do need to, you know, the Bible says not to be ignorant of his ways or his devices, and so we, we don't want to do that. The Bible says, lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we're not ignorant of his devices. Well, we don't want to be ignorant of his devices. We want to know a little bit about the enemy, because the enemy <clears throat> is uh, certainly, as we, we heard in the prayer, there's a real battle taking place. Brother Joe is right. There's no doubt about that. And so we need to be very aware of the enemy, and we need to know a little bit about him uh, as much as we can to some degree, because we want to be able to defend, and we want to be able to go on the offense as well. So... Anyway, we learned last week that he was, a create, he was created by God. And then we also learned that he was an exalted angel. We noted that Lucifer became extremely proud and he rebelled against God. It, we kind of worked on those three thoughts uh, during the course of the uh, evening. We started to talk about this fourth one. And we said that Satan became the enemy of God. And when God created man, Satan intended to destroy him. So now as the enemy of God, uh, he now seeks to destroy God's creation, including mankind. And so uh, that's kind of where we left off. We said that uh, because of his role in man's downfall, Satan's called the old serpent. We talked a little bit about the fact that he's the serpent. And we kind of drew the correlation, you know, the, the, the idea that, okay, here's a serpent being spoken of over here <clears throat> and... Um, uh, we, we see even in the book of Revelation 12, and then we see it being tied back to Genesis chapter 3. How important is it that our Bibles, we said, are legitimate, that they're authorized, that they're God-given, that they're inspired, because otherwise certain words can be removed that will ultimately destroy those connections. We said, therefore, that the, <clears throat> the Satan is called the old serpent. But then we also said he's the tempter. And we noted that as uh, the Bible makes that perfectly clear. And we said that um, as the tempter, he's going to do his best to tempt us, obviously. And he does a pretty good job of it, doesn't he? And uh, it's always a battle to stay on top of things. And so because he, he has this role in man's downfall, he was called the old serpent. He was also called the tempter. And now as we kick off and kind of pick up where we left off, we're going to note that when man rebelled against God by following Satan, the devil became the God of this world. And so let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. And we're going to talk a little bit about the devil again tonight. And again, not to give him any kudos, but to simply 
um, inform us of who he is, what he's about, so that we can defend ourselves from his attack as well as go on the offense and be victorious. So let's pray. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for all you do for us and all you mean to us. Father, I do pray that you'd be with my voice, that, Father, you would enable me, Lord, to proclaim your truth. Lord, may you just uh, put a hedge about me and these thy people tonight. Lord, as we address this issue of uh, the enemy, the adversary, we pray, Lord, that you would just, again, put a hedge about us, that you'd protect us. We know, Lord, that he is not anxious for us to know about him because he doesn't want us to bear to defeat or have victory. He wants us to be destroyed. So, Lord, please, Father, help us, Father. We don't want to be devoured. We want to, Father, truly be victorious. Guide us now and help us. Fill me with your spirit. Let me be your mouthpiece. Be with your people tonight. May our hearts be stirred by your word and by your Holy Ghost. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. So he's called the God of this world. And turn, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I, uh, I like this passage, and again, I think it's such an informative passage. It, refer, it helps us to understand who he is a little bit, but it also kind of helps us to recognize and realize where the world's at. You know, so many times we get frustrated with the world, don't we? You know, we, we go and we try to witness to people. We try to talk to them about the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we kind of shake our heads because they want nothing to do with the Lord. Or we have a Christian that's backslidden away from God and we say, hey, listen, man, the best life is the Christian life. And they don't seem to get it. And we're just like, kind of like, are you kidding me? What is going on here? It just doesn't make sense to us. And, and understandably so to some degree, but... This passage kind of helps us understand it. This passage puts things in perspective. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. It says, But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So here in the passage, we see Satan being called the God of this world, the little g God of this world. But notice if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them. There's a blinding that takes place. And we say we understand that, but then when someone rejects Christ or somebody chooses to go a different path, we're like all like, what's going on? I don't get it. Well, they're blinded. I mean, go in your house sometime, Draw all the curtains or close them, if you will, and turn the lights off and then navigate through your living room, your kitchen, your bedrooms, and just don't, don't, don't have any light at all on. If it's pitch black, see how long it takes before you run into something. And you want to know something? That's what they're doing in life. They're literally navigating life in the darkness. And we go to them and we say, what's your problem? Why are you traveling the wrong way? And they say, what are you talking about? I mean the wrong way. They're in darkness. They have no idea. <clears throat> Notice he's the little g God of the earth. There it's a little g-o-d. And again, it's interesting. He's the God of this world, but he is not the God of the earth. The Bible says in the book of Psalm, chapter 24, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. 
Again, Satan is the god of this world system, though. So he's not the god of the earth. He doesn't doesn't own the earth, if you will. He's simply the god of this world, or he rules the world system, the social system, the political system, the economic system, the religious system of the world. We watch the world changing before our very eyes now. We're seeing it happen in real time. And if we're honest with ourselves, we've never seen anything like it, at least people of my age. And as young people, you don't recognize that. You just think this is normal. But let me tell you something. We are seeing prophecy being fulfilled in our very, in the, at this very moment. We are watching the world come together like it's never come together before. We used to talk about a one-world currency and a one-world government and a one-world political system. Guess what? It's almost here now. I mean, we are really on the horizon of biblical proportions. It's amazing. The God of this world bringing it all together. It's not just simply governments that have contracted together. It's not just leaders of nations that have made up their mind to do this. No, I'm telling you there is a mastermind and it's none other than Satan himself. He's the God of this world. So we recognize here that he's called the old serpent. He's called the tempter. He's also referred to as the God of this world. That's He is the God of this world. But he's also called the prince of the power of the air. Look, if you would, in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. It is very, very difficult. And I'm just going to say this, and I know I'm not supposed to say this. But it is not easy to see Satan in our world. At least for me, I, I'm telling you, you have to be consciously aware of him. Not like you're thinking about him all the time, but you got your, your walking circumspectly. You know what I mean? I mean, because honestly, I mean, we go to school, we go to work, we live our lives, we, we do everything we do. But really, the honest truth is we don't see a, you know, a pointy, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a little being running around with a pitchfork and horns sticking out of his head. And honestly, it's difficult to recognize and see him at work at times. And even when we're tempted, we don't necessarily attribute it to Satan himself. We look at it, I don't know, kind of abstract, almost like, well, you know, that's just, that's something I got to deal with. That's someone you have to deal with. That's someone I have to deal with. He's placing things before us and he's allowing us to be influenced and impacted by, 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 by different kind of stimulus that will ultimately derail us on the Christian life and put us on another road. We think somehow that we're impervious to it. Won't be me. I'm too strong of a Christian for that. I wouldn't make that kind of error. I may mess up and I have my little pet peeves and I've got my little deal going, but the truth is is that I wouldn't be the one getting caught doing that. I'm telling you, he's lurking behind every aspect of our culture and our society. He's there. 
you know what, as a pastor even, I, I struggle sometimes to recognize this. I get busy like you. My life gets moving a million miles an hour. And that's why it's important that every day we meet with the Lord. That it kind of puts us things in perspective. That's why it's important to get in the Word of God consistently. That's why it's so important to be in God's house on the Lord's Day as well as on a Wednesday. And every time we meet, why? Because the devil's there all the time. I mean, you almost can see him going, come here. Come here. And he is. He's called the prince of the power of the air. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2. Wherein in time past, ye walked according to the course of this world. According to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now Paul describes Satan as a prince. A prince with power. Because he has power in the world. That's why. He has legitimate power. This power was given to him by God. We think about the temptation, and we'll look at it here in a little bit, but when we see Satan tempting Jesus Christ, he tempts him with the, 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 the kingdoms of the world. And we say, how dare he do that? He has no right to offer Jesus that. That's such a joke. No, it isn't a joke. It's his to give. It's a bona fide offer, as we'll see. Because he is indeed the prince of the power of the air. And this power was given to him by God. The reason Satan is called a prince rather than a king, however, is because there's only one king, King Jesus. Satan has power over certain people, doesn't he? According to the passage, he has power over the children of disobedience. Basically, those, are those that have yet to receive and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. He has power over them like we can't even imagine. We see that he's the prince of the power of the air. Most likely, that refers to the heavenlies themselves. They're his evil cohorts in himself. They reside and they also operate and function there. I don't want to get into the details, but we see Leviathan there in the heavenlies and we recognize the heads of Leviathan and we see that over in chapter 107 of Psalm and we realize that Satan is loose and free to go about deceiving. He is the prince of the power of the air. Not only that, but he is the ruler of darkness. Turn to Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. <clears throat> We're talking about our adversary, the devil. About Satan. He is the ruler of darkness. <clears throat> we could go back and we look at 2 Corinthians. We needn't do it this moment, but let me remind you that in that particular case, it said, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. And in this case, he is the, he is the ruler of darkness. Ephesians 6, 12. 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. See, Satan has a kingdom. He has a throne. He is called the prince because he is a ruler. He has generals and he has captains and sergeants and foot soldiers. He has a hierarchy. Just like our military has that hierarchy there in place and they go about with their orders and then they pass them down to their subordinates and ultimately follow through with the orders of their captain and their general and that's exactly how it works with Satan. <clears throat> that's the thing, and that's what makes this so difficult, is that most of us, including myself, we will never, ever, ever probably be approached by Satan himself. I mean, we're little fish in the pond. I mean, it's an amazing thing in the book of Acts when he says, you know, Paul I know, and Jesus I know, but who are you? The demon, remember? That didn't even require Satan's attention. He's got his imps going around and doing his evil bidding and his evil work. And there are many. They are here tonight in our midst. And I don't mean to alarm you, but the reality is, is that there is spiritual warfare taking place all about us. If only we, <clears throat> like Elijah, was it Elijah or Elisha? I always get them mixed up. His servant. What was the servant's name? Somebody help me. I thought I had it. Who? Gehazi? I don't know. It wasn't him. Anyway, I, I don't, you might be pronouncing it different than I'm used to hearing it. But his servant, remember he says, man, great, look at all them guys up in the hills. Look at all of them. Gehazi or Gehazi? Gehazi? Wow, I better stop right now. I might say something really nasty here in a minute. But anyway, you never know, you know. But anyway, he's looking over. I'm telling you, it's got a U in it. But anyway, you're right about that. It's got a U in it. But there they are in the hillside, and he's like, look at all those, look at all those, uh, those soldiers. And, and I, think, I think it's Elijah. He says, greater are they that are with us than they are with them. And he opens his eyes up and he sees an angelic host. Man, I'm telling you, there's a battle. There's warfare taking place in here. <clears throat> Gehazu. Yeah, I think it's Gehazu, isn't it? Anyway, I can't remember. Man, I'll tell you what. That, that's something, isn't it? That's, that's something. That's because I'm right up front here now. If I probably stepped down out of this pulpit, I'd remember it. <clears throat> But he's the, he's the uh, ruler of the darkness. Man, I'll tell you, he's a ruler. He's the prince of this world, the Bible says. He's the prince of this world. In John chapter 12, verse 31, the Bible says, Now is the judgment of this world. Now shall the prince of this world be cast out. Well, you know, when, when the Lord is uh, speaking about this in John 12, the cross is in view. And sin's going to be judged on Calvary. Satan's stronghold on mankind is going to be loosed. 
because of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. He is the prince, though, of this world. But fortunately, some of us have escaped his power. We're no longer bound by him or in chains. We're going to be we're free indeed because of Christ. So Satan is called what he is because unsaved men and women have rebelled against the true God and they serve Satan, some knowingly, some unknowingly. He is the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, it said in chapter 2, verse 2 of Ephesians. Mankind gave up his right, so to speak, or his rulership and handed it to Satan and said, tell me what to do next. And boy, Satan's been glad to do that for the last 6,000 years. <clears throat> so we see in our passage, we talked uh, about the fact that he was created by God. He was exalted, an exalted angel. He became proud and he rebelled against God. And then we saw that Satan became the enemy of God. And when he did, and God created man, God, Satan said, guess what, I'm going to destroy him. And so we see some of the names that he's been called along the way. So what about his personality? I mean, he's a really, you know, my dad, you know, my dad uses a term all the time. He'd say, man, you're, he's a real sweetheart. Not Satan, though. He no sweetheart. He's a mess. He's a mess. Again, we mentioned last week that the Bible doesn't portray Satan merely as an evil influence, but as an evil person. So the devil's a person, and as a person, he possesses a personality. You know, we see him going into heaven with the sons of God. That's what we was talking about just a little earlier. Turn to Job chapter 1. Job chapter 1, or Job, if you will, <clears throat> however you know it. Just do your best to find it. It's not, it's not a hard book to find. <clears throat> Go to Job chapter 1, all the way at the beginning. <clears throat> Look at verse 6. We're going to start in verse 6. You know, a lot of times people get the idea that, you know, and not so much you, you don't, because you know better, but Folks have gotten the idea that Satan's like bound in hell, you know. He's already chained up or he's kind of, you know, restricted in what he can and can't do. But watch what happens here. This is a, this is a, a really an interesting passage. And if you're reading the reading schedule, you've already read this. <clears throat> but notice what it says in Job chapter 1, verse 6. Now, there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. You say, who are the sons of God? Those are angelic beings. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord and Satan came also among them. Remember I told you that Satan has a hierarchy and he gives out orders and they follow those orders and then they kind of go out and they do their bidding, their, their evil bidding. Well, we're seeing that the angelic crowd, they're, they're assembling together at the throne. It's almost as if they're going to give some sit reps, situation reports to the Lord. Here's what's been going on in my district. Here's what's been taking place in my town. And here's what's been going on in my continent. And here's what it appears that there's some kind of gathering here to, 
you know, share some information or to somehow be either encouraged, maybe like a staff meeting even, I'm not sure. But they've gathered together. Notice he says, they gathered themselves. They, it says here that there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. You say, I didn't think Satan could go into, in, in, into the presence of God. Well, you just learned he can't. That, that's pretty much a given, right? There you go. And the Lord said unto Satan, <clears throat> Whence comest thou? I know the King James is hard to interpret, so let me just tell you what it said. Where'd you come from? You see how hard that was? I, had to, I went to Bible college, and so I can help you with that stuff. <laughs> so anyway, whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. I mean, I don't know about you, but it sounds pretty simple. He, he was doing a little bit of survey work. He's looking around pretty closely at things, up and down and around and to and fro. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and eschewest evil? Probably right now, most of us are going, man, I sure hope he don't do that to me. Isn't it sad that we might feel that way? But boy, I tell you what, Job's going Job's to get loaded down now. He's going to get loaded down. That, that testimony he has and the confidence God has in him is going to be tested, isn't it? But wouldn't it be something to have that kind of, God to have that kind of confidence in you and me? <clears throat> now that, that's amazing. Listen, if there's somebody in this room that's suffering, not because of sin, but just simply suffering, then God must have a lot of confidence in you. He's got confidence in you. He believes he can trust you with this and that you're going to prove that God is real. Goes on to say, verse 8, And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there's none like him in the earth? A perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and eschewth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house? About all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Now, listen, Satan is a person then. And he has a personality. It's interesting when you look at the passage, you think about the very question that was asked here in verse 9. Or the, he says, then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Is he, is he fear you for no reason? That is a very, that, that is a, uh, I mean, that is a being that has intelligence. That's a being that is thinking, is contemplating. An evil influence wouldn't have any, have ever asked a question like that, let alone <clears throat> a, such a premeditated thought at all. No, that, that wouldn't happen at all. 
And then in Job 1.12, God gave Satan permission. And notice he gave him permission to put forth his hand upon all that Job possessed. Just don't touch him. The devil's a person, and he has a personality. I don't think I'm liking the personality a whole lot yet. Bothering me a little bit. Turn, if you would, to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. I mean, he's pretty vindictive. He's a pretty angry guy. Chapter 4, verse 1. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. When he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was afterward a hungered. When the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. And he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. <clears throat> he goes on to say, Then the devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, as for it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. Jesus said unto him, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Again, the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and sheweth him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. And saith unto him, All these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. For it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. Now as we look at this particular passage again, the devil is conversing with Christ. That conversation that he's having is is a negotiation. I mean, this is a real person again, with a real personality, and that personality is not too good. He's trying to deceive, he's trying to... Uh, bamboozle the Lord. He's trying to somehow get him to do something that he knows probably down deep. Eh, I'm going to keep trying. I know he's a tough nut to crack, but I'm going to keep at him. And again, we notice that he offers him the kingdoms of the world if only he would fall down and worship him. We say, well, again, we mentioned this already, but Hey, listen, he had every right to. That was a bona fide offer. I mean, Jesus would have surely contested it if, if it wasn't. Well, who are you? Who are you, Satan? You, you don't, this, what are you talking about? I own, the, I own it all. It's all mine. No, that's not how it went. But let me tell you this. How many people, or asked you this, how many people have chosen to fall down and worship him for far less? It's not too often that people hold out very long when it comes to Satan, is it? It's amazing, isn't it? 
And it's amazing to me, and, and, and I guess, you know, we're all capable and we're all very able to fall into the same trap, but you look at the very things that people will fall down and worship Satan for, those very things destroy them. At first they seem like they're very pleasurable or they seem like they're wonderful or that they're giving to them something that they've been searching for, but the fact is, is that in the end it brings death. I mean, you just take a drug user. It's amazing, isn't it? you got to feel sorry for people that are hooked on drugs. Well, I know the easy thing is to be like, oh, they're so dumb. What's their problem? No, you, you ought to be feeling pretty sad for them. You ought to feel sorry for them. You better be praying and saying, Lord, help them to see what it really is because in the end it's going to lead to death. They don't need our animosity. They, they need the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus tells the religious leaders that they're of their father, the devil. In John 8, 44, we note that. He says that they are of their father, the devil, and the less of their father they will do. The devil is a person, and he possesses a personality. And again, it's not a very pleasant one. Not at all. We think about the devil, and he is a very subtle creature. We live in a world that paints some pretty good pictures, makes sin look pretty appealing. You know, some of the smartest people in the world fall for the devil's tricks. Some of the wisest people in the world fall for the devil's tricks. You say, I don't believe that. Wisdom's from the Lord. I'll talk to Solomon about it. He's the wisest man that ever lived, and he fell for it. Some of the most well-rounded people in the world I mean, honestly, got it all going. Potential oozing out of them. Fall for it. He's a deceiver. He's very subtle. What are we allowing the devil to use in our life to hold on to us in an area? Is there anything that we're letting the devil do? We're permitting him kind of like giving them a section or a portion of our lives or our heart as his playground. Is there anything? I think it's important, and I don't know that I do it enough, and probably I would imagine maybe a lot of others don't then. We don't really think sometimes enough about areas that maybe we aren't careful enough in. We need to be careful. Because lurking around every pole in the building, <laughs> behind every door, in every room of our lives, the devil's there to deceive us. Let's be very careful.
Let's be very careful. I wonder, what's your personality today? I'm trying to talk a little bit about Satan and his personality, and his isn't very pleasant. It's not very nice. He's very vindictive, hateful. If, if we polled your family, your wife, your children, your husband, your children, how would, they, what, how would they describe your personality? I think we need to think about that. Because I, I, I believe our testimony matters. Father, we come to you. We ask, Lord, that you'd just be with us and help us tonight. And Lord, again, we're, it's hard, Lord, when we deal with the devil and we deal with our own lives and we recognize and realize that he's at work too. Not just the Holy Ghost, not just God in our lives, but the devil's at work too. He's trying to steal something from us. He's trying to steal what you've given us. He's trying to take back some ground that was lost when we came to you as Savior and Lord. And I just pray that you would help us tonight, Lord. Uh, not, we, we in no way, no way want to acknowledge or recognize Satan for anything but what he is, Father, a deceiver, a liar. Literally the adversary, the enemy of God and the enemy of God's people. But Lord, we also need to be realistic and realize that he's powerful and that we have to lean on you and not our own understanding. We have got to allow your Holy Spirit to have reign in our life. We've got to yield ourselves to the Holy Ghost and to the Word of God and not give in to the passions, our fleshly passions or to the lust of the spirit, our lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And Lord, we can't do those things. We've got to be careful. Father, give us victory in our lives and help us, we pray. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed.